The Old Testament reading is from the book of Ecclesiastes, beginning at the first verse. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an, an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over the toil of all my labours under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Paul's letter to the Colossians at the third chapter. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, in these two you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, 
Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand now for the Alleluia verse. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, you may, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, many of you know that I'm from the great state of Michigan, right? You know, you've heard about all the snow and all the stuff up there. But, you know, in that big city in Michigan, Detroit, there sits an institute of art. And in that institute, there are all these incredibly beautiful murals. 27 of them, in fact, painted by the artist Diego Rivera. And it all celebrates the gift and beauty of work. And the Detroit industry murals make labor look beautiful. And the two largest murals there capture scenes from, guess what, Ford Motor Company and one of their plants nearby. Well, all that wonderful picture of the beauty of labor and striving and work and that whole ethic. Well, surprisingly or not, in 2013, when the city of Detroit declared bankruptcy, the murals were, well, decidedly ironic. The beauty of labor captured in painting 
contrasted with all of the daily labor. You see, because work is not only beautiful, but also a burden. And before the fall into sin, when the world was created, God put Adam in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And there was beauty to his life, caring for the world, serving his creator. After the fall, however, we remember that God cursed the earth so that Adam's work would be a burden. In fact, he said, in pain you shall eat of the ground all the days of your life, and by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. As for you and I as Christians, followers of our great God and Savior, it's difficult for us to live in this tension. On the one hand, there's a beauty to our labor. Our vocation, our work is such a gift from God for service to him and service to others. But on the other hand, such labor is not easy, is it? It's difficult and painful. It demands sweat from our brow and perseverance even through pain. And so what a blessing it is for us this morning to hear this passage from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes gives us, from God's point of view, a short but encouraging word that helps us find double joy in the daily labor of, the, of work that we pursue. In our text from Ecclesiastes, we have the word of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, we know him by name, Solomon. And although this preacher was king, he struggles with work. He says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Because after all, what does man gain by all the toil by which he toils under the sun? Now in the Old Testament, there are many Hebrew words for work. And toil is one of them. This word, however, stresses the pain of our daily labor. In Psalm 90, Moses contemplates the shortness of life. He says, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble, and they are soon gone and we fly away. You see, toil is work, and it's work with the sweat of our brow, the tears in our eyes, the hurt in our heart. But the problem with our labor so much is not its difficulty, but its disappearance. Ultimately, it passes away. Now, I know some of you out there today are avid gardeners. And as such, you garden and you look forward to bringing in the crop that you are growing and gardening for. Now let me ask you this. If you have done your work and you went out there early in the spring, planted your seeds and your plants, got them all going and you've been watering them constantly, and you went out and picked out all those weeds that first time, well, would the vegetables and the plants still go very well if you never weeded again? No, there's constant toil, isn't there? To have that tomato that ripens to a beautiful red. You have to look out for the worms and for all the pests 
You have to weed to make sure that nothing gets it. And Lord forbid that the deer come into your garden and take whatever they want. So there is a difficulty in our labor. And ultimately, at the end of the season, our garden passes away. No matter how great or mighty it was, it goes back to the earth from which it came. And in our text, Solomon echoes this wisdom. He says he hates his toil precisely because he cannot control what happens to the fruit of his labor. He cannot gather the fruit of his labor and trust that it will last. In the end, he needs to leave it to others. Yes, he could build barns and then build bigger barns and use them to store all his wealth, only to find out that one night he dies and all that he has accumulated is left to others. That's why it's so important to listen closely as Solomon closes this text. At the very end, the preacher opens our eyes to what comes from the hand of God. He reveals how there can be joy in the midst of our labor. Solomon says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. You see, God has given us the gift of daily labor and calls us to find satisfaction in that labor day by day. We work not to build a kingdom for ourselves in this world, but rather to give service to God and to others. Unfortunately, too often we turn our work in this world into an idol. It's the means whereby we hope to build ourselves a kingdom. I mean, advertising invites us to think that it's the true enjoyment of life that just lies on the horizon with just one more purchase. If you have this, your life is going to be made. And so we work to earn money to buy that car, to build that house, to take that dream vacation, to find a joy in life that lasts. But work was never meant to accomplish that. And such efforts will ultimately fail us. Jesus tells us, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus came into God's kingdom to work for us in ways that will never fail. He bore the punishment of God's wrath for our sins upon the cross. And he opened the kingdom of heaven to us, his sinful creatures. And we are saved by Christ. We are freed from having work as our master. Now work can be a joyful place for service. Service to God and service to others. So in such work, when work is transformed by the redeeming love of our Savior, God gives us a joy in it. You see, God gives us a joy of service to him in our daily labor. Christ's work of salvation claimed all of our hearts. Now all that we do is for him. And so there is a joy in raising children, even when they get loud in church. There is a joy in doing things for people, in preparing food for even a funeral lunch, 
and cleaning a house in order that the company that's coming will find it in a good place. There is good to be found in serving others in our place of business. God originally called Adam to care for creation, and now, after our redemption, the world is wide open to serve God through it. There is no work in this world that is too small for God to find pleasure in our service. And so God also gives us joy in serving others. In the early editions of the small catechism, the petition, Give us this day our daily bread, was accompanied by a woodcut. And in that woodcut, you didn't have one loaf of bread on a table. Instead, you had Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the bread of a small child. That image captures a second joy that lies in our daily labor, the joy of serving others through the labor of our fruit. Just as that child's small loaves in the hands of Jesus fed 5,000, so also our acts of service in the hands of God can raise a family, care for the dying, contribute to the welfare of a community, and actually care for the entire world. Imagine parents having such a big load, but yet one thing at a time as they raise a family, doing it for the good of all. You know, here in our nation, people often associate work with earning a living. Having money is not necessarily just for the expenses of life, but also for the joys of consumption. Many people, when they go shopping, find their desires satisfied. Finding things that you can buy to make you happy. That's the joy that comes from work for many people. However, we live differently as Christians. For us, work is not a way to fulfill consumeristic desires. No, work is an opportunity for faithful living. Because God in Christ has forgiven our sins and called us to faithful service in this world. In work, yes, that's a four-letter word. In work, we have a chance to reveal to the world just a glimpse of God's good design. He has given us vocations, places for faithful service. For some, vocation involves employment in the workforce. If you're not employed, however, that doesn't mean that you're not working. Work can involve raising a family, serving your local community, caring for creation. And so God, to his faithful people, he gives a double joy in daily work. We find joy in serving God through our daily labor. And we find joy in serving others through our work. You know, that's one of the great joys that I see in my vocation, is being able to work with people and share the good news, and for all of us then to come together to worship God, knowing what he has done for us. We find joy in serving God in whatever vocation he has placed us. Even those of you that are retired still have a vocation according to your Christian faith. For we are always to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his bright light. And so you and I, we still have work to do. 
work that is the work of the gospel in the lives of people. And we do it faithfully and honestly each and every day. And we do so not to build up a barn full of our good works, but rather out of joy that God has in Christ paid all the price for all our ever difficulties. So may you and I today not find work to be that proverbial in this world four-letter word, but find it to be a word of blessing, that God has given us things to do, that we can be productive in this world as we're prepared for heaven one day. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.